your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Earlier, I talked about giving Sid a better right wing like Rust or Hornquist. Instead of continually asking Sid to elevate somebody like Connor Sherry. Playing with Sid is what's best for Sherry, but it might not be what's best for Sid. Gensel needs to do a bit more if he's going to play with Sid. He's got 20 goals, but it's a quiet 20 goals. Not great in the defensive zone, kind of lacks with turnovers so far this season. And Hornquist, he's got 20 goals too, but he definitely contributes more in other ways than does Jake Gensel. Gensel is a lot like Sherry. When he doesn't score, he doesn't contribute much. If you're making a list of Penguins who need to do more in the playoffs, Gensel should be on it. The joker in my deck come playoff time is Zach Aston Reese. He's out with an upper body injury and appears to have been abducted by aliens because no one has seen him. But he had four goals and two helpers in ten games before he got hurt. And he's physical and unyielding. It seems like the Pens could use another player like that, maybe on Broussard's line with Kessel. People talk about what Sherry has done in the playoffs, or even what a guy like Rowney did last year. But just because you're wearing a ring doesn't mean you did much to earn it. Sherry was a healthy scratch some in last year's playoffs. It's about right now. When he gets healthy, Zach Aston Reese is about right now. Perhaps more so than Connor Sherry. That's an easy, cliched talk show conversation starter. Which Penguins do you feel have to do more come playoff time? And don't say like Malkin or Phil, because I'm not sure they can do more. Sid, maybe a little bit, not in terms of raw production, but in terms of bunching points up once in a while to just end the game on behalf of the Penguins. Your thoughts at 412-333-WXDX. Uh, but in terms of giving a kid like Zach Aston Reese a legit shot right off the hop when the playoffs start, consider when the New York Islanders won their third straight cup in 1982, the last team to win a third straight cup, I hasten to add, they had four rookies and a couple second-year guys in their lineup. Tomas Johnson, for example, jumped in and was a top 4D right off the get-go for a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. When the Canadians won a third straight cup in 1978, they traded for Pierre LaRouche, you know who that is, and a rookie named Pierre Mondou was a big contributor. 19 goals for that kid. Dynasties keep changing and getting better Within the run of the dynasty. You don't play somebody based on what he did two years ago if he's not still doing it now. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We're going to talk about the Penguins and that disappointing loss all day long and about Susan Sarandon all day long. But the main thing the Penguins got to get is consistency and I mean that at every level. 
Consistency of effort, consistency of focus. Individuals need to produce consistently. Just consistency. Last night, the Penguins totally controlled the game for two periods, and then they just mailed it in, and it killed them. You shouldn't keep blowing leads against a last-place team that has nothing to play for. And the special teams got to do better. The power play was 0 for 3 last night, and the penalty kill was 1 for 3. New York got two power play goals. The power play is still first in the league, despite a recent drop-off. The penalty kill is 14th. It needs to be better. It needs to be top 10 by the time the playoffs roll around. i got to put an APB out. You know what I can't find again? Diet Right Pure Zero Cherry Cola. It's not even on Amazon right now. I went to another website and got four 12-packs for just an unspeakable amount of money. So I need help moving forward. Where can I get Diet Right Pure Zero Cherry Cola? Tweet me. At Mark Madden X. Let's go to Alex in Wexford. Alex, show the Mark Madden show. Hey, Mark. Yeah, you were talking about uh, Oberman and Saran in there for SportsCenter. I don't really watch them more. But yeah, I was kidding, but go ahead. I know. I was telling you. Hey, I would watch if they had Norm McDonald. Picture him doing SportsCenter. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. Norm McDonald's funny imitating SportsCenter. Parodying SportsCenter. Actually doing SportsCenter. I mean, bruh, I didn't even get half the stuff he said on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, but I knew it was great. There were times when Norm would say something and nobody would laugh. I wouldn't laugh. And then I'd literally figure it out like 15 minutes later. That's what made him so good, but that's also what has always made Norm MacDonald a very niche comedian. And I don't think that description would bother him at all. His autobiography he wrote, it took me like 90 pages to figure out it was a parody of an autobiography and not at all true. Let's go to Shane in the car. Shane, very quickly, you're on a Mark Madden show. What up, mate? What up? Uh, I just wanted to ask you your thoughts on the Penn's power play. Um, I know Schultz and Latang are both getting like shots at the point. Um, who would you rather have and what? It depends. First off, the power play is number one in the league. Uh, I love Tanger for his entries. I love him for his breakouts. Once the puck's in the zone, I like Schultz a little bit better. But if you're asking me who I would put on the number one power play, Chris Letang. There are times I give Schultz a shot, but overall, my choice is Tanger. Up next, Colby Armstrong, the terror of the beer leagues now. In the Western Pennsylvania area, 105.9 X. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. My guest right now is an ex-Penguin, an ex-Montreal Canadian, and a media giant. You love him on AT&T Sportsnet. You love him on Sportsnet Canada. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program, Colby Armstrong. Army, I want to join you in your crusade against Beer League Mothguard guy. Doesn't he know you used to play on Sid's line? <laughs> hey, man, we got to get some things straight in the beer league world. I, I, since I'm now like an official uh, member of the leagues around here a little bit, 
not as hardcore as my good buddy Sean Sweezum, but still, we got to get some things cleared out. We're making some announcements. We're putting people on notice. Well, we'll get back to that in just a little bit, but first, some Penguin talk. Uh, Pens were up 2-0 in the third period at New York. They lost 4-3 in overtime. A, how the heck did that happen? And B, how damaging is that loss moving forward? Yeah, I mean, well, we saw what happened. They stopped playing. I got to give the the Rangers credit. They actually look faster as a team. And and I know for the for, through the first couple periods, the Penguins can hang their hat on. They had a two goal lead, and they were playing fairly well. I think their big boys were pretty quiet last night in Malkin, Kessel, and Crosby. But uh, overall, playing fairly well, and then literally just stopped skating, stopped passing. Um, and the Rangers took the game completely over in the third. It was all Rangers, um, and I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if you can take anything really from it other than a wake up call. And you know, I'm not one to get all panicked about a game or get all panicked about um, you know certain things inside a game for a little bit of stretch of time. But uh, we'll see how they respond tonight. That's the game. How do you respond if you have a bad game or something you want to fix? How do you respond? And I think you know that'll be a real test of what we see out of them tonight. Well, Although tonight at Montreal... Back, it is back-to-back back again. All right, back-to-back back with back traveling back. between. Definitely a big test. But for Montreal, anti-Niemi's going to be in goal. How is Niemi so bad in Pittsburgh and now so good in Montreal? I, good, I, don't know. I don't know. Good question. I think he has a lot of people scratching their heads what's going on. Uh, I, I guess if we could look at his start and maybe coming off the year in, in Dallas and coming here on a Stanley Cup champion team. And I don't know what he's, – he's won the Cup before, so I don't know maybe what was going through his head in a backup role. But the team wasn't playing great at the start of the year, if we do remember. Um, and he was put in tough spots, playing against some decent teams on the second half of back-to-backs. And we remember those blowouts big time. Um, but right now, I don't know, all I see out of Montreal is what were these teams thinking getting rid of the Abbey? Oh, my goodness. I'm like, holy smokes, what happened to the Abbey? Maybe it's the poutine. Mark, maybe he just needed poutine. Yeah, that's the most reasonable explanation I've heard. Now, did you ever play in front of a goalie who just couldn't stop anything on a given night and he was so bad that the boys all got salty and kind of pointed fingers? Because you know that has to happen. Yeah, I think generally, mostly, if it does happen behind the guy's back, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it's a situation where you don't, like, goalies have nowhere to hide, right? Like, it's it's a it's a tough one if you have an off night you just kind of give the guy a tap on the pads and we know that it wasn't your night but uh you know as a player you can have an off game and guess what no one will really notice so they'll go he can be better next game um for goalies it's a different situation you have a bad start to your game and next thing you know it's four zip on eight shots and what happens you're the goat and uh you're the guy that's that's taken it so um you know i think there's a little bit more pressure in that regard to individual player just, just with people noticing stuff. But I think, I think when you're in the heat of battle, you know, I think, I think guys realize that. Like, it's not like a big, it's not a huge deal. You can go, oh man, we wish he had a better game, and oh, we want more out of him. And I guess that puts more pressure on him for his next start or his next game. But I think guys understand that every once in a while, it's going to happen. Montreal has a lot of injuries now, like Price, Weber, and Pacioretty. But what happened with the Canadians' army? Because they should at least be in the playoff hunt, shouldn't they? Yeah, much is to be made about their team, and I, I don't know. I don't know what's happened to them. I don't know if they were. I, I, if I had to look at the start of the season, I would say that they wouldn't have been in the playoffs. But I don't know if I would have said that they were, you know, bottom ten in the league or 
where, wherever they're sitting. I think they're bottom 10 right now. Um, you know, they're, yeah, they're 26. So they're not, they're not doing, uh, having a great year. Weber's been out a long time and now will be out six months with an ankle or foot surgery that he just recently had. Obviously losing your $10 million goalie, uh, for a period of time doesn't help. Um, Pacioretty through slumps and, and trade speculation and Galchenyuk through trade speculation. There's been a lot of, a lot of action in Montreal this year and, you know, whether it's off the ice or mentally or with injury. So, you know, this team's in a position they're at. Uh, we expect a little bit more action out of them under the trade deadline. At least I did anyway. Bergevin decided to stay patient with a few more of his guys and, and maybe see what he can do at the, uh, at the draft. But, uh, going into the year, I think everyone just expected them to be okay. You know, not maybe not this bad where they're at right now. So it is a little bit of a surprise. But you know, this is a this is a game the Penguins should have. We're talking to former Penguin Colby Armstrong here on the home of the Penguins, one hundred five ninety X. Between now and the playoffs, Army, who needs to start doing more for the Penguins? Who's coming up perhaps a bit short right now? Well, I, I was listening to you a little earlier. I think Connor Sheary, for one. I think he's a guy. I I, I think uh, you mentioned Gensel as well. He's a guy. Broussard right now uh, hasn't really found his footing here in the Pens lineup. Um, as far as looking like some chemistry, finding a little bit of chemistry, and uh, you know, look at last game. Like I think last game the big boys just were, were were fairly quiet. I didn't I didn't notice them a lot during the game, or you know, making that much happen and. Um, it was left up to some of these other guys, and you're going to need that from other guys to step up uh, and, and get it done, or t- you know, have a guy have a game or take a game over. And uh, you know, we didn't see it, so it's it's a question of of some of these depth guys coming into a playoff situation where you have to look at like a guy like Brian Ruster that that did that, that is a playoff guy, a guy that can get goals at key times, a guy that can play on all different lines. It's got to be those kind of guys. Uh, heading into the playoffs that have to be guys that, that, that game has risen. Because you know your big boys will be there when it's on the line. You know Sid's game will rise. You know where Malkin will be at. You know Phil's going to produce. Uh, it's those depth guys that have to have their game at the right level. Who would you play on Crosby's line? B- besides yourself, I mean, Army. Oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 I like Gensel, but I'll be honest, I'm not sure Sherry cuts it there anymore. Yeah, I... I know Sherry's been up and down on his line a little bit and found himself pinned to the bench a little bit. and He's had an up-and-down year, and I think a, a year dealing, I think probably more so with anything than a little bit of mental battles just in, with, with confidence uh, at times. But uh, an erratic player, a streaky player. But I, I always get drawn back to Hornquist playing with him. I always get drawn back to that that duo. And if you want to keep Gensel there, you want to put Rust in and out. But I just think Hornquist, with the way he plays, um, maybe not ideal for playmaking with, with Sid just because of his, his grinding ability, but he definitely brings Sid into the battle. He brings Sid into the fight, and he's a pretty uh, easy guy to read also. You know where he's going to be. You know he's going to be at the net. You know he's, you know he's going to be taking guys uh, ice away, so giving him a little bit more time with, with the way he bangs around out there in Hornquist. So I always like Hornquist with Sid since I've been here, living here now the last few years watching and seeing what they could do together. And I think it makes Sid carry the puck a little bit more as well in certain situations. So uh, it's always good when you can get the puck in his hands the most and have a guy that stands in front of the net and clears a little bit of space. You know where it's a weird debate, Army, is last night uh, Sullivan moved Shane into that spot and dropped yeah. 
Sherry down the lineup. And I like Rust in place of Sherry on Sid's line, but Sherry has more goals than Shan, and he has more goals than Rust, too. It's just the inconsistency, I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the issue with the team right now. And I, I think you just you look through the season, and, and you know I give the Penguins a lot of credit for being patient and being patient. Okay, back-to-back cups. Okay, how long do we wait? Okay, a few good games here, a few uh, a few off nights here. Um, you know, and I think I think some guys individually, although the team has played better since the new year, I think the consistency now individually at times it, it, it still isn't there. And I remember last year around this time, it was it was they were playing chess and other teams were playing checkers out there, and it was it was next level taking over games, and that's when you had team the team totally in sync the team totally bought in um you know and playing that that up-tempo fast style of game and when you don't have everyone in sync and everyone there all at once it's it can be a little bit of a dog's breakfast so we see that some nights and and we see that some nights individually too so man it comes down to consistency i think and it comes down to confidence for these guys and can they peak and hit it at the right time going into the playoffs that's I think that's any game, but I think uh, more importantly, hitting it at the right time for this club when you look at the amount of hockey they've played over the last few years. What team in the Metro Division would be most likely to beat Pittsburgh in a best of seven? Because I'll be honest, even given the Penguins' inconsistency, I don't see a team in the Metro that I would pick to beat Pittsburgh best of seven. Yeah, and I was going through that. Actually, I was doing the pregame radio show yesterday with Staggy, and we we were talking about you know, the playoffs, and, and, and there's been some talk about maybe going back to one plays eight instead of this wild card one versus wild card. Uh, you know, you finish first, you play wild card one in one division, the highest team, and then the other team gets the second wild card. And just go one versus eight and tick your way through. And, it, you know, it came down to the Penguins versus Washington first round. That's the way it worked out if you went that right now with the way the standings are sitting. And But I was like, well, I'm... I'm I was thinking, like, wow, that's a tough first-round matchup. But, like, uh, I don't, like, I wouldn't wince at that matchup for the Penguins or anything. And, I mean, they're first place right now, tied with Penguins anyways, and they are in first place in the Metro. So, I don't know. I don't I don't look at any team, Mark, in the Metro uh, that can give them problems. You flip over to the other side, Tampa and Boston and possibly Toronto, and uh, what could happen with those teams that play, you know, Toronto, a similar style, Boston, a little bit more physical, uh, and and sneaky fast game, but uh, you know it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see the way it'll it'll eventually shake out if they can get that far to meet up with some of those teams. I'm not worried about. Uh, I, you got to be ready, but I, I think they could beat these Metro teams. Well, I think they can beat the Atlantic teams too. In fact, Tampa Bay wouldn't even concern me that much. I mean, I'm not doubting their quality army, but they'd have to out penguin the Penguins. They play very similar. <laughs> And I'm not sure they're capable of that. Honestly, in the Atlantic, the team that worries me the most from the Penguins' point of view is Boston because yeah. they got quality and they can turn the game into a crap show, which the Penguins can't handle. Yeah, they can, and they've they've got uh, they've got imposing guys too. They've got uh, you know obviously Chara if he can get he 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 left last game that they played and was injured. Uh, McAvoy's injured as well. They got Bacchus up front, who's a big body guy, and, and Nash looks to be a nice fit in there. You know, he seems to be a big body guy, tough to handle around the net, and um, yeah, and they got good good goaltending, a good goaltending tandem too. But all these teams in Toronto with Anderson and Vasilevsky and Tampa Bay, uh, it's it's going to be tough. But yeah, I think Tampa and Toronto do play very similar styles, like you said, to the Penguins. Uh, I think watching Toronto last year in the playoffs, exact same style. 
just weren't quite penguin ready if they had to play them. But uh, looking a little bit better this year. But I'd say, yeah, you have to out-penguin the Penguins. They invented this game, Mark. They invented this new <laughs> fast game. They changed the game a few years ago. Everyone's trying to catch up, so we'll see if they can get the job done again this year. Now, one last crucial question. How good is your beer league team, and, and what are the team's priorities? I mean, do you have guys who want to win, want to drink? What's the ambition of the team? It's always, Mark, it's always a mixed bag. And I know you're, you're big around the deck hockey circles, and I'm sure it's the same there. It's always a mixed bag. The guy that shows up that can't wait to crush the beers. There's the guy that's like got all the nicest equipment and he can't skate. There's the guy that, uh, you know, just is like Mr. Game 7, blocking shots, being a hero. There's, there's a mixed bag of everyone, the guy that wants to. So, you know what? Like, I love like this little segment that we started, Beer League PSA, up in Sportsnet Canada. It's really fun. It's like, you know, 20 seconds long, but it's a quick shout-out or putting a guy on notice to something in the beer league world. Because there's a lot of characters out there. There's a lot of hilarious things. And on top of it all, there's a lot of cheap guys, which is great to call out. Well, my best approach would be to get every idiot you know that can skate, because then <laughs> something interesting is going to happen. But you need a good goalie, because you're also going to be shorthanded. <laughs> oh, yeah, a few games I played out at Barrel Ice Rink, and uh, we've got a couple guys on our team that are okay at skating, but it's always extra special, always extra good when the whistle blows and they're like cross having a cross-checking match with a guy in front of the net. <laughs> it's like, buddy, dial it down, dial it down. I'm going to call on his name right now. He's an absolute beauty, Drew Carlson, biggest beauty beer leaguer in Pittsburgh. Him and Sean Sweezum. Army is always great stuff. We'll see you at the rink. All right, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, look forward to seeing you again. That's Colby Armstrong. How good was that just now? He is a media... Giant. Uh, and by the way, if you do have a men's league ice hockey team, that, that is what I suggest you do. Get every idiot you know that can skate, because at least it'll be fun. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Don't forget, I'll be at the Boulevard on Route 30 in Greensburg tonight for a Penguins watch party. But if you want to watch the NCAA tournament, they got a ton of TVs there. We got the whole nine yards, hockey, basketball, me to talk hockey and not talk basketball. I got a bunch of freebies, too. How can you beat that? See you tonight at the Boulevard in Greensburg, 105.9 The X. Is the end now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's up, Mr. Madden? Their moth might say no right now, but in their hearts, they're saying yes, yes, oh, yes. The X at 105.9. Great to have Colby Armstrong on. Don't forget, we have an extra half hour of hockey talk tonight with the Hockey Night Show from 6 till 6.30. Uh, Going to talk a, about a lot of the Penguin issues that I think, well, they're cropping up certainly, but but, but I, I I don't think they're things we want to panic about. I think the Penguins are going to be just fine. They're the two-time defending champs, and they know when it's time to, I don't want to say flip the switch because I would like to see them play better and more consistently and especially tighter defensively between now and the start of the postseason. But there are a few issues, like I still think Sid needs a better right winger than Sherry. I think Zach Aston-Reese is going to have a role on this team in the postseason. I think the low end of the roster has to play better, like Ronnie and Ruedel. Ruedel took the penalty that gave the New York Rangers the power play that resulted in the tying goal. 
And Ronnie was out there for each of the last two Rangers goals in regulation play, and a low-end roster guy can't do that. A fourth-line forward can't do that. A third-pair defenseman can't do that. And uh, Josh Owey joined me earlier, and he pointed out that Josh Joris looked better in his very brief stint than Carter Rowney has all year. And again, I've been saying, you got to look at changing things around if what used to work isn't now. If who was playing well isn't now. That's what dynasties do. They change a lot mid-dynasty because the focus and the evaluation remains the same. Uh, I thought Broussard played one heck of a game last night. He only got the one helper, but he was going great guns, showed that 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 fire and speed that has made him such a good player in the past against the Penguins and in the playoffs. So I'm not worried about number 19. I think that is a guy who will know when to play like Derek Broussard can and has. Then again, he doesn't have the Penguins to play against in the playoffs, who he's always done so well against. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, the Susan Sarandon commentary on NBC last night has been a big topic of discussion. If anybody out there liked it, that would be a novel point of view. I haven't heard anybody on any radio show or on Twitter or on any Penguin message boards. No one liked what Susan Sarandon did. It was just grunts and groans, almost orgasmic. Might have been hot if she wasn't 71, but she is. If she would have been the Susan Sarandon from Rocky Horror Picture Show in the bra and slip, she could have grunted and groaned on NBC last night all she wanted, but that was a very long time ago. She clearly knew nothing about hockey. She says she's a Ranger fan, but at one point, she seemed to not know who Henrik Lundqvist was. I think at the very least, she should know who Henrik Lundqvist is. Yahoo Sports has a poll. Susan Sarandon was a flop with Pierre Maguire, but which celebrities would excel? I'll tell you which celebrities would excel. It's a choice for me between A, none of them, and B, actual celebrities. Because the object of putting a celebrity in the middle of sports commentary, like Susan Sarandon was last night, isn't so she or he, whoever it may be, they had the Philadelphia Eagle on a couple of games back. They had the NASCAR geek on a couple of games back. That person isn't meant to dazzle with hockey analysis and or brilliant knowledge of the game. They want you to say, oh, that's so-and-so. That person's a big deal and pay attention a little closer, and maybe tune in the game the next time, whatever the next telecast might be for NBC, because another similar big deal might be part of the broadcast. But Susan Sarandon's not a big deal anymore. She's a has-been actress. Thelma and Louise, Bull Durham, both a very long time ago. The NASCAR guy, who cares? The Philadelphia Eagles linebacker, who cares? If it was Nick Foles, okay, that's sexy. Not the linebacker guy. So that's where it failed miserably. Not because Susan Sarandon 
knew zilch about hockey. No one expected her to to do what Pierre did. But she's just a nobody now. She's not even a celebrity. Monday Night Football, they had Obama one time. Now there's a celebrity. Up next, we talk to Bob McLaughlin. I'm I'm Mark Madden. You're listening to 105.9 X. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. This is one of those two-chin strap, bring the duct tape type of affairs. What the? They're going to make us play a wild card game. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, uh, we were both at the Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate last night at uh, Tequila Cowboy. But based on uh, what you did see of Susan Sarandon in her uh, blistering hockey analysis during the Penguins game on NBC last night, is there anything you can add to that besides bad idea? Uh, How about real bad idea? I mean, it's New York, Mark. It's the media capital of the world. You don't have anybody else you can pluck from the stands. My God, Seth Meyers is there. He does his show from New York. Huge Penguin guy, huge Steeler guy. Get him there. Liam Neeson is a monster Rangers fan. Kate Upton, a huge Rangers fan. You couldn't arrange for one of those people. It's St. Patty's Day this Saturday. Why wouldn't Liam Neeson be there on mic? Well, I I just think that it's a skewed concept. Uh, You're right. Those are bigger celebrities than Susan Sarandon, uh, especially now that she's 71 and hasn't done anything of note. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind since her you know, heyday with uh, Thelma and Louise and, of course, Bull Durham, is Ray Donovan just last year. Yeah, TV. She's done a lot of TV. And she played a very small role in a very brief role. So so I just, I don't get the whole idea, but if you have a celebrity, it's got to be a better celebrity than that, a bigger name, and she was on too much. Oh, my gosh. If you have a celebrity on a sports telecast, real quick hit, and that's it. Well, you know it was bad when we were doing the great sports debate last night, and she was on the first time, and everybody in the crowd reacted like, what the hell is Susan Sarandon doing talking with Pierre Maguire? And then we looked up maybe four or five more times, and she was on every single time. Bad idea. I, you know, I like Pierre. I think he does a great job. That's all a hockey person needs to you know hear during a game. Uh, I don't like NBC's presentation in general, Bob. Uh, every network that carries a major sports league takes care of that league. And minimizes controversy and helps present the league in a way that the broadcast partner wants, Mm -hmm. the the league itself. Mike Milbury makes the NHL look stupid because he sounds stupid. And he's not the only one. I like Keith Jones. Even his vision of hockey is a bit outdated. Same with Jeremy Roenick. Honestly, if they got rid of everybody that's involved with their coverage on NBC for hockey, there are a few guys I would miss, like Pierre, who does a great job, and most I would not, and hockey and the broadcast would be better off for it. Even Liam McHugh? I yes. mean, nobody throws the questions out there like big old Ian McHugh. You know. Now, I like, I tell you what, I do I'm like. I'm not even sure I know who that is, Bob. He so does. At least he's not making a negative impression. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't mind Keith Jones as much. I think Keith Jones is pretty fair. Sometimes he lets a little bit of his Philly side slip through. I like Keith Jones. I agree with you. Mike Milbury needs to go. He embarrasses the network. He embarrasses the league. I could care less if he embarrasses himself. He's done that, you know, through every single part of the NHL experience that he's had. 
Um, I like Pierre a lot. I know he gets ripped on a lot, but I think he does a great job. Pierre, Pierre's actually brilliant. He, he absolutely knows the game, and I don't mind at all when he throws all the background stuff in of some of the skaters. Who it, it, You know, that doesn't bother me. I know it bothers some people. I think it adds to it. It doesn't bother me nearly as much as Susan Sarandon did last night. Right. More on her. She's certainly getting some publicity out of this, but she doesn't make the list. She's mentioned, but does not make the list. Find out who does in 30 seconds here on 105.9 The X.